All right, and welcome to another episode of Spartans on the Bank. I'm Sean. Uh, this episode, going to try to hit a lot of a lot of news out from uh, regarding Michigan State, um, and then uh, like the soccer previews, the district court ruling um, against Michigan State, and the removing the women in di- the diving and swimming teams, um, the commitment of Colin Carr, uh, and then looking at um, Kenneth Walker's position within the nfl uh leah mitchell uh, apparently our like our star gymnast signed a signed a chance uh signed a contract with the wwe for um having a successful tryout at the SummerSlam event and then i want to hit the uh, the press conference from yesterday the, the from hazelton and the defensive guys so uh stick with us we'll be back all right uh, so the we're gonna hit a couple couple to- topics in this segment here. Um, so the soccer season is getting ready to kick off. Uh, now, full disclosure, not a big soccer guy. Uh, 0 games played for sixty minutes. You don't really know how much time's on the clock. Not a big not a big soccer guy. Not gonna try to blow smoke up anybody. Uh, I'm just not. However. Uh, I do feel it important to at least acknowledge the existence of the Michigan State soccer teams. Uh, about three years ago, I think Michigan State men's soccer made it to whatever the version of the Final Four is in soccer. So um, pretty pretty solid there. Uh, so last, uh, what was it, last night, the, the Spartans kicked off against uh, Liberty, I think it was Liberty Tech or Louisiana Tech, uh, score the men's team uh, and won 3 nothing. So... Hey, off to a solid start. It was an exhibition game, but still off to a pretty solid start there. Um, <clears throat> and then the women's program, they have – so the we have the women women's Big Ten preview. Michigan State last year finished fourth, 5-4-1. Uh, five, four, five, four um, I don't uh, – they didn't take home any Big Ten honors. I, I don't know what to make of this season, um, just being perfectly honest. Because it's not like we have some top tier players or top tier defense uh, that is going to um, single handedly swing the season. However, we do have uh, the return of Lauren Kozel, who is our star goalkeeper. She returns. Uh, she's in between the pipes this year, and if she comes out and is solid again, there's a possibility that Michigan State can you know sneak in and steal some of these steal some of those games this season. Um, but it's going to come down to offense. Um, and I don't know what that's looking like, but I, I do say that, you know, there, there's a solid chance because if you have a great goaltender, you only got to score one goal. Um, and we managed to, so last year, Rutgers was 10 and 0 in the big 10. They took home the title. Right. And so Maryland was 0 and 7 and, th- and three. Uh, and so Michigan State was fourth overall in the women's, women's, um, women's soccer. So, Hey, I think there's a possibility that we may, we may see some, uh, a nice Michigan State run there within the tournament. It's not like volleyball where we're facing, we're staring down uh, essentially the extreme gauntlet of challenges in soccer in the Big Ten. Um, also on the Tuesday, the uh, district court judge ruled um, against Michigan or ruled that Michigan State's decision to discontinue its men and women's swimming and diving teams in October 2020 violates Title IX. Um, and I'm still trying to run down and figure out why it violated Title IX. Um, the judge, District Judge uh, Hala, Halawai Yarbo, 
said that essentially they're not forcing Michigan. They're not saying Michigan State needs to reinstate the programs because Michigan State has said that it was due to budget reasons. Um, now, across the board, what you're going to see is, uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, Title IX is the, the federal law that prohibits discrimination due to sex. Um, and that is the law that essentially says that um, for every male scholarship player you have, you need to have a female scholarship player. Now, um, football has 85 scholarship players. So typically you see women make that up with um, gymnastics, volleyball, uh, cheerleading, uh, because most of the other sports like women's basketball, there's men's basketball. Um, oh, and Michigan State has field hockey. That's women only. Um, and then you'll have like uh, men swimming and diving, women swimming and diving. So a lot of them are like two, I get track and field, right? They're, they're I, I don't want to call them co-ed teams, but they're co-ed sports. Um, and so Michigan State, by getting rid of the women's men, women's and men's diving programs, I don't understand how they really violated Title IX um, per se, because they didn't, this wasn't them saying, oh yeah, hey, let's cut women's programs. It was a purely budgetor, budgetary and they said, hey, we don't really, we can't really afford to do this. And so they cut off the men's, women's, and diving. Um, and it was the first sport cut by Michigan State since 2001 when they cut the men's gymnastics team. So, I mean, you, we, and we saw it with COVID and everything, like budgets got severely shrunk and constricted. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to like, yeah, it was a purely budgetary reason. Um, so when you're when you're looking at it, um, I think Michigan State took a pretty poor argument with it. They asserts they asserted in the court documents that to de- that the court should deny the plaintiff's request because doing so would upset the status quo. That's a that's a really bad argument in my opinion. Now, full disclosure, I'm not a lawyer. I have nothing to do with the law. I just think it's a really bad argument. If your if your argument is that it's going to upset the status quo, that's definitely not a way to win a court case. Um, I'm just saying that's pretty much why court cases exist is to upset the status quo because the status quo is not working. Um, so yeah, I'm not entirely sure that argument was, was smart, but you know, well, these guys get paid a hell of a lot more money than I do. And they actually went to law school. So I'll defer to the actual lawyers on that one. Um, so the court, the, the court, fi- so the, of note in this Lansing State Journal article is it says the court findings illustrate MSU's participation gap matches the national average over the over the past eight years. So they're not it's not a huge I mean, it's not a one for one, but it it's it's nothing different than what's going on nationally. It, it, it's hard because we hear about like Take, take Coach Tucker, for example, a $95 million contract or these like the football team. They are going to have to fly out to USC, UCLA. They get, you know, new cleats every uh, every month or what have you. It seems like the football team gets everything while, you know, you're getting the softball players having to bus to Nebraska or what, what have you. And, yeah, there is a discrepancy there. Um, and I would attend that the discrepancy is not based upon sex, but based upon finances, uh, AKA the football program brings in all the money. Um, and they support all these other programs. Um, they, they really do because they, I mean, you look at across the board, college football is a multi-billion dollar business. So it, it just is what it is. 
the football program supports a lot of these other programs. And so, yeah, they may get, they may get more, but they're also bringing in more money. Um, And I know Michigan state is sending out, um, sending out, Hey, why don't you contribute? Why don't you know, you haven't donated in a while. Uh, It's a lot easier to make that pitch when you're coming off an 11 and two season than when you're coming off a two and six season. So, uh, and then, you know, stick with us. We'll be back for the next segment. All right, and we're back. Uh, so uh, earlier in the week, um, Tom Izzo managed to land Cohen Carr, a four-star uh, small forward out of South Carolina. He's the number two prospect in uh, in South Carolina, uh, the number 10 small forward and the number 59 prospect overall. Um, essentially, this commitment was they got him on campus they for an official visit. They offered him. And then he committed about a week later. Um, uh, to quote uh, the the stories of Tom Izzo's uh, death have been premature. Um, he is killing it on the recruiting trail. We have the number two class in the country right now with uh, Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr, um, Jeremy Fears, and the, the kid from Texas. Man, I'm going to feel bad. I forgot this kid's name. Um, but overall, like, Tom Izzo is crushing it on the on the recruiting trail. I mean, this so it's been said I'm not the first one, I won't be the last one that says if Tom Izzo gets his second national championship, it will be because of this class. This class right here, depending upon who comes it, who comes uh, before, who stays and who comes after, this class right here is going to be the class that gets him his second national championship. And I, we're here for it, folks. We want it. Speaking of the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Izzo, he just signed a five-year extension with Michigan State. He's a Spartan for life. It's never been in doubt. Well, not truly in doubt. There was that short period where he, I guess you could say, flirted with the NBA. He listened to the offers, if you will. Um, so Tom Izzo, he's he's just signed a five-year extension gets him an extra two mil per year um as a spartan so i became a spartan in the early night or mid to late 90s um my whole family's wolverine fans uh yeah i know like sadly my last name is is on the walk to the big house my grandpa huge huge wolverine fan um love him but yeah he's a huge wolverine fan i've been a spartan since mid to mid to late two to uh mid to late nineties. All I've ever known is Tom Izzo. All I've ever known is Tom Izzo. It is good. I am dang near 40 years old. It is going to be, uh, it is going to be massively like a massive culture shock to the Spartan fan base. When Tom Izzo decides to retire. Now we all thought, Hey, maybe when Steve graduates, when Steven Izzo graduates, he'll hang it up now. I mean, see what he's doing on the recruiting trail. He's got his. He's got the energy. He is chasing that second national championship. I believe that when he gets his national second national championship, that's when he sits back, looks at what he's done, and he goes, "You know, that's enough." Or it could be, "Hey, we're just getting started. Coach K's gone. Uh, the Roy is gone, and then you know uh, Jay Wright's gone. All the big, all the big blue blood coaches, his essentially peers are gone." 
Um, it is him, and he could rip off a run of two or three, depending on how, how this recruiting goes. But laying in the number two class, oh boy, let's go. I'm here for it. Uh, and then speaking of recruiting, Leah Mitchell. Leo, Leah Mitchell was a superstar for Michigan State Gymnastics from 2018 to 2022. Now, we don't typically hear much about gymnasts once they leave the program unless they go on to the Olympics, right? Leah Mitchell took a, I'll say, a different path. And she, uh, over SummerSlam, she tried out in Nashville, um, and she was selected to be one of the 14, um, I'll, call, I'll even call them athletes because, yeah, Wrestling may be scripted, but I'll be damned if they're not freaking athletic. Um, the Taking those hits, it is what it is. And the, I couldn't do it. I'm old. I'm broke. Um, I couldn't do what, the, what, these, what these athletes do. Um, and so she got a contract to move down to Orlando and one of 14 and compete to be a WWE superstar. So even if you're not into wrestling, still pretty dang cool to see one of our gymnasts um, continuing on with their career path and moving forward. Um, and so I, I, overall, I think it's a great move. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for her. And I think it is a solid chance for her to kind of increase her legacy, if you will. Um, and a big part of that is going to be, hey, Michigan State is going to be kind of one of those talking points during that. And anything to help help increase the brand is going to be huge for Michigan State. And so, I mean, I know I realize we went from basketball recruiting to WWE recruiting. But again, we try to hit I I try to hit most of the Michigan State stuff. Um, I, I do like to I don't like to focus solely on football, even though I'm a football guy. I like to focus solely on it because at the end of the day, it is what it is, right? Like you, we've got, uh, we've got 15 other podcasts out there that are hitting all that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to stand out a little bit, trying to be, trying to do something a little different. Um, if for lack of a better word, lack of a better word, be a one-stop shop, if you will, moving into, um, trying to get everybody into the, like the news from Spartans, right? Uh, lastly, uh, lastly for this segment, so Kenneth Walker the third, our boy K9, right? Should have been the Heisman winner. Um, he he got drafted number 41 overall by the Seattle Seahawks. And at the time of the drafting, I did not like this pick by the Seahawks. Not because I don't think Kenneth Walker's a great player. I don't like to see players get stuck in a in a bad situation, aka Kirk Cousins being drafted in the same draft as RG3. Now it worked pretty now it worked out pretty well for our boy Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, he's made bank. Um Side note: Did test positive for COVID nineteen. We'll miss the kick. We'll miss the preseason uh, kickoff for the Vikings. Um, but back to Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker was drafted, and he was behind Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, both kind of injury prone. But he was he was third man on the he was third man on the depth chart. Uh, well, over the past over training camp, Chris Carson is retired, um, to, and he's citing injuries. I totally get it. At some point, you got like your body takes precedence. And you just you just can't handle it anymore. I, believe me, I feel you there, buddy. Now, granted, you're like 28. I'm I'm like 39, but still, I feel you when your body starts shutting down. Um, so it was Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. Now, Rashad Penny had, just came out, and he's been he's being he's a little on the nicked up side. So that clears a straight line for Kenneth Walker and Pete Carroll. 
you know, are the I would say probably the most successful college and NFL coach. Um, he is a uh, he is known for, I'll say, hype train leading the hype train in the offseason about players, um, and he's been surprised by K nine. Um, he's surprised at what he brings to the table because at Michigan State we handed him the ball and we let him do K nine things, right? But he, uh, P Carroll's. P. Carroll's out there saying, I'm surprised he's so well-rounded. A runner, he's blocking again. I, um, his pass protection stuff, he's really turned the page there. He, and he says he wasn't very good at in college at pass blocking. I disagree there, um, primarily because he wasn't asked to do a ton of pass blocking. Um, because everybody was keen on K-9, so you had to do the fake. Um, but the running back coach says he's doing a great job with uh, with getting him developed in his pass blocking. But I think of this kid, everything is important. He wants to be great, and he's not going to let any stone be unturned. So I'm really excited to see how he goes. He's going to get some good playing time in this game and get comfortable with the speed of the game and all of that. I expect him to do well. Um, the one – so full disclosure, I'm, in, I'm into fantasy football. Um, and one of the biggest knocks on Kenneth Walker coming into the league was that he was an unknown in the passing game. And like I talked about, about linebackers a couple episodes back about being the most difficult position, running backs can no longer grab the ball and run. They have to be able to pass block. They have to be able to receive. Um, and the ones that can't typically don't have long for the league because they want those that add more weapons to the offense. Now, K-9 is a, is a good receiving back. We just never really utilized him in that fashion. So... I think what you're seeing now is that the Seahawks are like, damn, he, he's pretty solid here. Um, so, and K-9 says, hey, when I went to Michigan State, they put me in a pro-style offense that best suits my skills. I believe that's what's helped me have the season I had and our team. So, he knew that, hey, it's a pro-style offense. It's not a spread type. And I think, I will say, I, I went from being very low on K-9 this season um, and, and as far as like fantasy football goes, overall production to I'm warming to him. If his draft position is in the right, the the right place, you take a shot. Now, don't get mistaken and think you're going to end up with uh, you know a top two back because at the end of the day, his quarterback is still Drew Locke. They're not going to have a ton of scoring chances, but still not a bad, still not a bad place to be. Uh, okay, with that, we'll be back with the next segment. All right, and I'm back. Uh, okay, so before I get into the defensive coordinator, uh, defensive staff, media availability, do want to touch on one thing. Thomas Kithier uh, was with Michigan State for two years, transferred to Valparaiso. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to that young man. He suffered a career-ending back injury. Um, sucks to see any player, uh, especially a former Spartan, go down and have their career cut short because of injuries. So uh, just know, like, Want to keep that, want to put that out there. Uh, sucks for that young man. Uh, so, Scotty Hazelton yesterday was uh, available for the media. He said, um, in a quote, we want to be the hardest, hardest playing defense in America. We're working toward that goal. The dudes are running and they're playing hard right now. Um, what that says to me is there are no plays off. It is you are running all the time. Uh, I think back to like basic training. Uh, or high school, um, high school football, like uh, 
pre-camp days, you're running everywhere. You don't get to walk. You don't get to stop. You are running everywhere because it's all about, that's how you get that condition. Uh, he also said Brandon Wright has a great, had a great fall camp. He went from a running back to really understanding the play. Um, and Brandon Wright is now, he's a, he's a player that went from a running back to being able to be used on second and third, first and second, first and second downs for this defense. Again, depth is key. I always go back to that 2015 cotton bowl against Alabama. I will die on the mound that our number ones were not that much worse than their number ones. Uh, where we truly experienced the pain was when somebody had to rotate out. It was, there was such a drastic drop off from our ones to their, to our twos, while there was almost none from their ones to their twos. Remember this game, it was like a seven or 14 point, 10 point game going into halftime. But then our, our stars started getting wore out and we just, we had a massive drop off. So depth is huge, especially if you can have somebody that isn't somebody that can hold the line. Um, Hazelton points out that Jeff Petrowski and Chris Bogle are the top two de uh, defensive ends right now. Uh, so like everybody thought, we're going to see a lot of Petrowski and Bogle, especially to start the season. Now, um, that doesn't that's not to say that we're not going to see um, Aaron Brule or Jacoby Winman line up as one of those stand-up edge. Uh, matter of fact, he says the best rushers in the game, uh, whether it's inside or outside, he specifically mentions Winman, Brule, and Ben Van Sumeren. Um, he talks about how um, Hazleton mentioned how the MSU's nickel position is going to be huge, and that's why they moved. Um, it's going to be big for them. And moving Darius Snow to linebacker, they're going to be really hunting that nickel or that nickel guy to come in, play the pass, play the run, um, blitz, everything. Moving Darius Snow to linebacker, I think it's a depth thing and a next year thing. Get him those solid reps because he's a he's a top notch player. But we're he's not going to be in that nickel all the time. He could probably serve in a pinch, but I truly believe they're going to be hunting down a new nickel. Um, Hazelton mentions that calling uh, bringing in Brule and Winman are it takes the level of the room of the linebacker room up a notch. Because before, like I said, a couple of, either last episode or a couple episodes, Cal Halliday was was the guy in the in the linebacker room. But now you have Cal Halliday, Jacoby Winman, Darius Snow, and um, Aaron Brule all fighting to be the guy, like the best linebacker at Michigan State. And so I think when you bring those in, it's just it, it increases the overall play. It's it's a competition to be the best without tearing each other down. So, and then that's going to be huge. Hazelton, uh, he goes on to talk about Darius Snow moving to linebacker. He's a young man who has, uh, who has a tremendous understanding of football in general. He's played in the box enough that he knows how to use his hands and be physical. So he is able to get into the blitzing, be able to shed those blocks, which is really that crucial part of being that linebacker. He's got the knowledge. He's got the eyes for it, but he's got to be able to shed those linebackers. Um, and then Hazelton goes on to talk about he they what he's going to be looking for from the new players. It's to see who can finish the play during the scrimmages. Scrimmages change people because when you're in a scrimmage, it's not a how do how do I want to say this? Uh, it's not a fifty percent, twenty percent walkthrough, sixty percent. It is full bore all the way. 
um, just no tackle in the quarterbacks because really the goal is to give it your all and see and see how you stack up one-on-one versus the number one defense versus the number one offense. Um, Cal Halliday was up on the uh, was was up and he's he's talking about how the linebacker core has gotten very deep in the last year. Anyone in our room can play it at play at a high level. They're a versatile group. They have lots of guys that can do a lot of different things. And that is what I tr- why I truly believe that the Michigan State linebacker room is the best position we have on this year's team because everybody in that room can step in and start a game. Everybody in that room can do more than one thing. There's no one trick pony. So you're seeing the you're seeing essentially what is this multifaceted linebacker. So you're not rotating out defensive defensive linemen. You're not rotating out DBs. Your linebackers can kind of do it all in a pinch. And so that is that is what makes the linebacker room, in my opinion, the best the best room or the best, I'll call it, position group at Michigan State this season. Uh, Mayo Gaete uh, was was allowed to was up for media availability. He jumped into the portal a little bit last in this offseason. Um, and I totally get it. Dude's from California or Nevada. Uh, he's he was sighting missing his family, and that that is the part of recruiting that I think gets overlooked a lot. Is you are taking these young men uh, and women. Um, in every sport, 17, 18 year old kids. And if you're trying to recruit them from, let's say, California, Texas, Arizona, and you're saying, hey, come to Michigan, come to Michigan State, you're taking these kids, you're putting them in a new environment far away from all of their support structure in a stressful environment. Do not get me, do not be mistaken. Move, playing college sports, I don't care what sport it is, is stressful. It is a stressful position. And then you add the fact that football has all eyes on it. It's under a lot of scrutiny. There's even more pressure. And when you're a top tier recruit or the top recruit in a class, there's even more. So it's just like plate after plate after plate of weight is just being added to these to these young men. And so when he's missing his family, I totally get it. I totally understand. Um, but he goes on to say that he talked to the coaches and trust their plan. And he's glad he's back now. Um, he specifically mentions Cal Halliday and Ben Van Sumeren as being a huge reason that he's back. It, and that is what it boils down to, right? When you're, when you're homesick, when you're missing your family, it boils down to the support structure that you have at your disposal in that current area. It doesn't matter where you are, um, be it college, new job, military, whatever. If you move away from your family and you don't have any support structure, you feel isolated. And that's what that's what a lot of these kids during COVID felt because they are young teenagers or young adults. They're 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21 years old. And they're, they're, they're not allowed to go out. They're not allowed to see their friends. They don't have the support structure. They go to practice, they come home, they sit in front of their computer to do their classes. And so it's nice to see the, like the return of normalcy of having the sports structure within the team and within the program. And then, uh, Jacob Slade was the last one up, and he just talks. Uh, he talks about how uh, impactful hiring Marco Coleman was. He says, "I thought I had a pretty good season, and Coleman watched my film the first week and was roasting me." So it's, and then of course every player has mentioned how well Brandon Jordan uh, relates to the players so far. I don't think that it can be understated having a coach who blows smoke up, smoke blows smoke at you. 
does nothing for your game. It doesn't improve you. It doesn't help you get to the league. It literally is... It's a hindrance to your development. So having a coach who's going to come and be like, hold you accountable. Again, that's what landed Tom Izzo, Xavier Booker. He's like, hey, I'll gladly go over this film where you scored zero points and tell you what you need to improve upon. Or you scored 33 points. Here's where you were wrong. And players, especially top-notch players, they want that feedback. They want that because that's what's going to get them to the league. Now, full disclosure, not a Tom Brady fan. Don't like him. However, that is what Tom Brady, that's what made Tom Brady a success, right? Is willing to listen to feedback. Doesn't matter where it's coming from. Any feedback on your game it can is crucial and can set you up for success in the long run. Um, so with that, we'll be back. All right, and that'll do do it for me for this episode. Like, subscribe, share, all that kind of great and wonderful things. Uh, I try, I'm trying to get the, the podcast onto more services. Um, so, you know, share with Spartans. Uh, Want to give a special shout out to, again, my buddy Ron over at the Michigan State News and Recruiting Group. Without him, I would have almost no content to talk about. The man is like a, one, uh, a one-stop shop for all things Michigan State. He's fantastic. Love him. He's great. Um, with that, uh, again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Deion Sanders just put out that he doesn't, he's not a big fan of the hall of fame. He thinks there's too many people in it. He wants to create a top tier 11 offense, 11 on defense. Now I have my own feelings on the hall of fame. Um, I, I like the NFL hall of fame way more than I like the major league baseball hall of fame. I don't think the writers should ever have a vote in the hall of fame. That should be a player only. Uh, somebody who's in the business, not the writers. So with that, that's what I, that's my feeling on that. Uh, I'll be back. Thanks everybody. Go green, go white, go smart.